And we all have to come to grips with the fact that those opinions deeply influence the actions that we take. And of course, those actions that we take deeply influence the results that we achieve. So we really got to come to grips with the fact that those results are a vague reflection of the beliefs that we started out with. So how about putting beliefs into your skull that are going to help you get the results that you actually want? Think about what you want as if you got it, even if you don't. I know people say, well, I'm just deluding myself. Well, just about every human achievement begins with a little bit of delusion, you know? I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to our episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Dr. Nate Zinzer. He is the director of West Point's Performance Psychology Program, the nation's gold standard curriculum for teaching and training the mental skills that underlie excellence in any human performance. This includes confidence despite setbacks, concentration despite distractions, and composure under pressure. Dr. Zinzer has been a regular consultant to the Philadelphia Flyers and New York Giants for 12 seasons and a keynote speaker for General Electric, Facebook, McDonald's, Staples, UPS, and many others. So please, help me in welcoming Dr. Nate Zinzer to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Dr. Zinzer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm stoked for this conversation. Me too. And I guess like one of the things I'm curious to, to ask you to start is you have this new book out, which is called The Confident Mind, A Battle-Tested Guide to Unshakable Performance. And I know a lot of times when we are putting our work out there, when we are taking this leap of faith and knowing that, okay, is this book going to land? Is it really going to resonate with people? How is it going to sell? Like, how is it going to do? Our confidence can get rattled a bit. So what have been some of your best practices over the last couple months to ensure that you're remaining confident, optimistic during this process so that you can feel as ready as you can be for the book to be released. So you're asking me if I actually practice what I preach. <laughs> uh, the answer is yes, I do. In this particular situation, I maintained a very open, somewhat optimistic outlook on the prospects for the book's success. I put a lot of work into it. I have gotten good feedback on the progress of the book as I was completing the manuscript and going through the revisions. And as, as my uh, editorial team at HarperCollins was assembling the finished product, I had reasons. I was looking for evidence in my personal universe that this would probably be successful. And I kept telling myself, okay, let's see how well this does. And when you phrase a question like, when you phrase a situation that you're entering, let's see how well I can do here. Let's see how well I can perform. Let's see how well I can score on this test. Let's see how well I can do on this interview. You open up yourself to a lot of good possibilities you don't limit yourself to any particular outcome, and you keep the potential of a negative outcome, you know, kind of minor, you know? 
Let's see how well this can go. Maybe it's going to be great. Maybe it'll be okay. Hey, maybe it'll be a complete freaking disaster. But your attitude is open. Let's see how well I can do this. And that's a lot of the advice that I share in the book. That's a lot of the advice that I share with, you know, the cadets here at West Point that I work with day in and day out and with my other clients in my private practice. You, you brought up something that I know you talk a lot about in your book and that I think is so important for people, and that is really paying attention to what you can control and letting go of what you can't. And I think so many times, specifically now, so many people, Dr. Zinzer, are feeling uncertain about their lives, they're feeling uncertain about their future. So what are some practical steps that you've seen that's worked with the people that you work, that, that you work with that somebody can take? to mitigate that fear of uncertainty, remain focused on the present and kind of get through these situations without being too fearful? Well, you really nailed it with your initial comment about controlling what you can control as opposed to being preoccupied with all the things that are outside of one's personal control. So the first step in what you're describing your first step in dealing with an uncertain situation is literally to create a little two-column list. Here are the things that I can control. Here are the things that I can't control. You know, all, you know, there are lots of things that affect you. There are a lot of things that have potential, you know, for disruption and disappointment, but they're out of, outside of your control. But they're things that are inside of your control. You know, the effort you put in on certain activities, the degree of, you know, constructive, encouraging self-talk that you maintain, the discipline with which you sort of monitor that video production studio in your imagination, and you take responsibility to keep the production of disastrous infomercials down to nothing, and you literally produce the visions, the pictures, the video clips of progress and success. I mean, you can control all that. You can also control how you use your important discretionary time throughout the day. So you really got to take a hard look at, okay, what is in my control? What can I do? And this re really is the, if you will, existential question of our time. We had to suspend all, you know, all in-person operations at West Point a couple of years ago. And during that time, the big question for everybody is, how are we going to respond to this new reality? Will we just sort of wait till things get back to normal? Or will we push ourselves within the various limits that we're experiencing in order to be the kind of person we want to be? So I was on the phone during all that time with, you know, one cadet up in rural New Hampshire who found himself a big tractor tire to flip and maintain his conditioning because he wanted to be an all-American wrestler. <laughs> there was another fellow on our wrestling team who really didn't have access to much in the way of fit fitness equipment at all, but he did have a big old suitcase, and he bought a couple cases of soda in cans, filled up the suitcase with soda cans, and that became his training kettlebell, a primitive but very effective kettlebell. So those are just examples of people taking control of their situation.
And we have to pay attention to what we can control and make sure that we're filling that time with things that are going to better ourselves, things that are going to improve our mindset, things that are going to improve our overall health and wellness. Because if we don't, we will get distracted and we will find things that will fill that time that with, with things that are, are, are unhealthy and we'll end up scrolling on social media and doing all the things we know aren't good for our mental health and for our confidence. And you work with a lot of the, the most mentally tough people that exist. What are some common themes? Like what are the, the best practices of some of these people that they do on a regular basis to make sure that they're maintaining a, a certain level of self-confidence, certain level of self-esteem and how they feel about themselves? The mentally tough people strike a very important balance. It's a dynamic balance. It's one that's always shifting, but it's a balance that they maintain between looking for the best in themselves over the previous day, over the previous week, looking at their episodes of where they put in quality effort, where they did indeed control what they could control, what little successes did they achieve? What little accomplishments did, um, did they complete throughout the course of the day? Looking for indications of progress. They're very, they're very good at cultivating the habit of looking for the best in themselves day by day, and in fact, even hour by hour. And they also maintain a little bit of, I guess you could call it internal criticism. What am I missing? What might I be able to do better? It's a balance of those two factors that everybody has to come to grips with. I will say, however, I think our society has oversold us on the idea of constantly being our harshest critic, consciously telling us, okay, you need to work harder. You need to be tougher on yourself. You need to be more critical of yourself. And that is indeed the process by which you become successful. That's not really very true. There is a time and a place to focus on your errors and your, and your imperfections and your difficulties. And there is a time and a place for you to be your own harshest critic and your own strictest taskmaster. But boy, is there a time and a place to be your own best friend and your own biggest fan. And people got to know when and where to do those two things. If you are in the middle of a test, if you are in the middle of a game, self-criticism does not serve you. That's when you really need to be your own best friend. If you have just suffered a loss, a disappointment, well, in the immediate aftermath of that, you really have to be your own best friend because that's how you drag yourself up and get back in the arena. And then you got to be a little bit of your harshest critic to push yourself to do the studying, do the practice, do the training that will get you ready for the next one. So it's a, it's a constant dynamic balance. I discuss some of the particulars of this in the book towards the end when I advise people on how to uh, do an after action review of a performance. If you ask those that know me best, what has been an ongoing struggle of mine it's definitely been my sleep. I am sure many of you can relate to this. One small change I recently made is that I started taking magnesium breakthrough by Bioptimizers, which is the only organic full spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. I've taken lots of magnesium supplements throughout the last decade, and this one is rare and that it actually makes me feel relaxed when I take it. Listen, 
you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can possibly do is start getting enough magnesium. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement that you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash Doug and use the code Doug10 to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough. So go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash Doug now to get your exclusive 10% discount. Now back to the show. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. It's really enlightening to hear you say that because I think a lot of people, when they hear people, they think of the military, they think of drill sergeant, they think of just do 10 more, you got to be your best, like work harder, like, and just to hear you say that there needs to be this healthy balance and that we've actually over indexed, like the self criticism part, I think is going to really hit home with a lot of people. And let's talk about like how to be your best friend. Because when I think of my own experience on how I've been my best friend, it's you know, the way I talk to myself, it's who I spend time with, it's my activities on a day-to-day basis. But what are some of these exercises that you walk some of these cadets or your clients through when they're looking to achieve something that they're fearful of or when they're under pressure so that they can remain optimistic before doing so? Sure. I work with folks to create what I refer to as a mental bank account, a storehouse of thoughts and memories that produce power that produce energy, that produce enthusiasm. One of the exercises, the aforementioned reflection on effort and success and progress, what I refer to as the daily ESP, that's an important step to take. And you can even go deeper with that. You know, you're you're an athlete in a workout or in a training session, and you complete a drill of which you've done, say, 10 repetitions, and the coach blows the whistle and sends the team into another drill. In that space between the end of the first drill and the start of the second drill, what's going through your head? What are you choosing to remember about the first drill? 99.9 out of 100 people to whom I ask that question say, well, I either remember the last rep of the drill or I remember the worst rep that I had. And I said, well, think about how that is affecting your confidence. Think about how that choice of memory that you're engaging in affects that running total, that mental bank account. How about disciplining yourself to look for the very best rep 
and remind yourself and review that little best rep as you move to the start of the second drill. And then you do the second drill and you do the same thing at the end of the second drill. Momentarily recall your best rep. If you're a student in class, and it's amazing the looks I get on cadets' faces when I say, okay, you, you are walking out of, say, your required physics class. And that class could have blown your mind. It's a tough class, let's face it. But are you telling yourself, reminding yourself of the one little thing that you got out of that class? The one principle that you remember? The one equation that you solved? The one formula that made sense to you? Are you looking for your, the best in yourself in that last hour? Even if the rest of the class completely confused you, but what did you get? So I'm counseling people to take that daily reflection, but also to do mini reflections throughout the day. Drill, review, drill, review, drill, review, and that way you build that bank account. That's one really important practice. I think another really important practice is to be honest with yourself about the stories that you tell yourself all day long. What do you believe about yourself in terms of your skill in this area, your competence in that area, your knowledge in a given area? We all have opinions, and we all have to come to grips with the fact that those opinions deeply influence the actions that we take. And of course, those actions that we take deeply influence the results that we achieve. So we really got to come to grips with the fact that those results are a vague reflection of the beliefs that we started out with. So how about putting beliefs into your skull that are going to help you get the results that you actually want? Think about what you want as if you got it, even if you don't. I know people say, well, I'm just deluding myself. Well, just about every human achievement begins with a little bit of delusion, you know? Once upon a time, you couldn't ride a bike. You had no evidence that you could do it. You saw other kids do it. Something got you back on the bike. You had this delusional idea that it could be done. I can ride that bike. I'm encouraging people to construct statements to themselves that are phrased in the present tense about skills or abilities that they wish to have, about qualities that they wish to have, and about outcomes that they wish to have. I was going to say, I know you're really big on affirmations and that you've, you've talked a lot about that in your book, but it's not just the simple affirmations that we see sometimes where it's like, you know, I believe in myself or I'm going to do better. Like there's this in-depth process you walk people through. Yeah. The idea is to be very, very specific and very precise. Okay. My shot hits the upper right corner consistently. My feet move precisely. I am the 2022 NCAA 149-pound national champion. It's first-person, present tense, very powerful language, very precise. There's a whole series of criteria to make those kinds of belief statements effective. So like, what is it about the way that you, you teach this in the book where you essentially have people write out, like you said, a more detailed vision of who they want to become? Like, like why is that work versus just the general affirmations we see a lot of people making. Because it specifies the outcome that you're after, which makes it easier to take the specific outcomes, make to take the specific actions that lead to those outcomes. Oh, I believe in myself. I believe in myself. Well, that's kind of vague. Okay. How about I believe in my ability to execute excellent man down defense. I believe in my ability to solve thermodynamic equations. It, it contextualizes things, and so it actually accesses those parts of the brain that are specific to those activities. That's what you want to change, so let's engage those neurons. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm so glad you touched on that because, you know, a lot of people, when they write like something they're grateful for, they write affirmations, they're so vague and they don't really attach an emotional meaning to it. So I think it's a lot harder to believe that about yourself or even envision yourself getting to that point because there's not really much depth to it. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was telling them that I was interviewing you. And this is somebody that struggles a lot with self-confidence. And one of the things that I said I would ask is, like, how do you encourage somebody to build self-confidence when they are so down on themselves that they don't even have the confidence that they can build confidence within themselves? Mm, boy, thanks for throwing me a tough curveball there, Doug. <laughs> I've encountered that at times, and it's a slow, patient process, okay? With, it's, with someone in that particular condition, I'd work backwards from grandiose expectations to very simple things, you know? What are you confident about? What are some of the things that you do easily, naturally, automatically? Oh, those are the things that you do have some confidence in, okay? Now, can we take a baby step, an inch from one of those behaviors to something that perhaps has more impact or more consequence in your life, your academic performance, your relationships, your athletic performance, et cetera, et cetera. So the the quick answer to your question is that you move very slowly and you get people to reflect on effort, success, progress in something that's maybe just a little bit challenging as opposed to, well, you know, I really think I should be able to climb Mount Everest, but I've never made it up the big hill in my backyard yet okay, we're going to take it slow, pal, but we can do this. Right. That's a great answer because I think it's so important because so many times when we're feeling super low, we're seeing some headlines, we're seeing things on the internet about, you know, lose a hundred pounds or do these big goals. And we're sitting here and we're like, man, like I don't even have the confidence to lose one pound or two pounds. Like, how am I going to get to a hundred? And we focus on that and we end up just quitting before we started. But we have to change our narrative and the perspective, like you said, and saying, okay, like, let's just see how slow or where we can, what we can get to first. What is a small, smart, achievable, maintainable goal that we can go after first and then just keep like knocking those down. One of the other things I think people struggle with when it comes to self-confidence, which you talk about is like the ability to remain optimistic and confident, like start to finish with something where you see this a lot you know, I'm a trainer. I see this a lot in the fitness industry where somebody, they, they, everybody's starting their weight loss journey in January, right? And then things get hard. They realize it's not as easy as they thought it was going to be. The gyms are, are crowded. Maybe, you know, their friends are, have fallen off and the, the scale stops moving or they get tired or whatever. And they're like, you know what? I'm not feeling good about my routine anymore. I'm just going to quit. So how do you get somebody to remain confident during a journey like that when they hit obstacles, when they hit these unexpected roadblocks? I would be counseling people at the very start of said journey. Okay, hey, let's get something straight. It will not be a linear progression. You will not achieve steady, steady progress day in, day out, week in, week out. It's going to be crooked. You will achieve a little success, then you will be on a plateau for a while. And then you will achieve some more success, and then you'll be on a plateau again. So please don't think of it as the straight line trending upward. 
No, it's going to trend upward a little bit at the start because you're doing some things different. But at some point, the things that you're doing differently are going to meet some resistance and you're going to plateau. It's going to seem like you're doing the same amount of work, but getting far less in terms of payback or results. But here's the deal. It's during those plateaus that your nervous system and your body is actually undergoing a whole bunch of changes, but those changes have to reach a certain critical mass, a certain critical level before, bang, the weight drops off or bang, now I can bench press another 15 pounds where I was plateaued before. The adjustments that your body goes through as you continue with a system of training are intermittent and require a heck of a lot of patience. You've got to tell yourself, I'm on a plateau, but things are still changing. I'm okay with the plateau because I know it's dealing, it's leading me to something. It's the, it's having the patience with those plateaus that determines so much of our success and so much of our failure. And just like you point out, Doug, we live in such a media rich world. We're constantly being bombarded with all these stories of people who are doing fantastic things. And when we hit our own plateau, plateaus, we compare ourselves to those other people. We get this momentarily, ugh, what's the matter with me? There's nothing the matter with you. You're doing what you need to do compliment yourself on your effort, hang in there, you will see an improvement. It's just the way the nervous system and the animal is wired. And self-talk is, is super important with when it comes to all things confidence, when it comes to achieving goals, when it comes to, to really like just life. Because if you tell yourself that you're not going to achieve something, then you probably won't, right? If you continue to tell yourself that you're a bad person, you're probably going to start to behave in certain ways because you already have counted yourself as somebody who's not a good person and you'll start to, to reflect that. I want to talk about pressure because maybe there's a lot of people that are listening to this that maybe they're not prepping for a wrestling match or they're not, you know, going you know, overseas or to win a Super Bowl. They're just trying to navigate life. And sometimes they feel pressure at work. They feel pressure in relationships. They feel financial pressure. Like, how do you coach some of these people that maybe would be relevant for anybody on how to calm their nervous system when they feel pressure so that they can kind of remain focused and um, not get sidetracked, distracted, and they can continue on the task they're looking to achieve? I explore a little bit of the roots of that pressure, okay? Where does this pressure come from? What, what, what signals or what messages are telling you that you should be a certain way? What have you learned about success or achievement that has told you you should be a certain way, you should be doing certain things, and in reality at the moment that you're not, Okay. I have dozens and dozens and dozens of, of case studies from people who had this idea that they should be a certain way or they should not be a certain way. And the message comes from somebody that they met a long, a long time ago who may have been an authority figure, may not have been an authority, authority figure, but for some reason, that person's voice is still with them. I encourage people to really explore, who told you that? What were the circumstances under which you learned that? Was the person who told you that Somebody who was really an expert in his or her field, was the person who told you that really happy with his or her life? Is that person the person that you want to become? And a lot of times that exploration ends up with, wow, you know, I never thought about it that way. That makes me feel a whole lot better, Doc. All right. So I think we can take a lot of pressure off ourselves 
by coming to grips with the fact that maybe we're putting it on ourselves for all the wrong reasons, and we don't have to do that. If we're talking about that nervous, somewhat agitated, somewhat uncomfortable feeling that we might have before taking a test, before performing a, uh, a recital, or before we play a game, before we participate in a job interview, we really have to understand that it's in our best interests that our body undergoes a little bit of physiological arousal at that moment, okay? Your unconscious mind is going to send messages to your adrenal glands and other parts of your body, and that message is, hey, we're about to do something that matters. We're about to do something that actually we care about a little bit, so come on, give us some juice, give us some fuel, and your adrenal glands respond, and they will make your heart beat faster and get more blood to your muscles, and they'll dilate your pupils, and you'll see more. And then the side effects of that is, unfortunately, that the 100 million neurons in your stomach lining get activated too, and they start flipping around. And so you got to expect those signals of arousal to occur, and when they do occur, rather than say, oh, geez, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like this, you got to learn to say, hmm, this is my body turning on, getting me ready for a challenge. Thanks, body. I appreciate what you do. Now I got more energy. Now let's see how good I can be. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Like once you can understand and navigate your body systems and where a lot of this tension and pressure comes from and specifically maybe who said something to you when you were younger or even understanding like the physiology of how your body responds to stress and that it's all normal. I think people are able to get a better grip on it because once people have this awareness on like what it is that they're experiencing and why, then they're, they feel confident like, oh, like this kind of makes sense. Like now I can take some action. And you know, one of the things that I've been told when it comes to like life in general, and this isn't my quote or my idea, it was somebody had mentioned this to me is that like the beauty of life is really being able to remain like even keel during the hard times and during the bad times, like not getting underconfident when things aren't going well, not getting overconfident when things are going good. So how do you like coach people? Let's say they, they win a game. Let's say they win a wrestling match. Let's say they win an award. How do you get them to kind of remain humble and not remain so overconfident that they forget the, to do the, the daily things that help get them to that place in the first place? The Japanese expression is translated as after victory, tighten your chin straps. You've just won a match. You've just won a game. You've just aced a test. Okay, let yourself feel good about it. You deserved it. But there has to be a reflection on what did I do right? What do I need to continue doing right in terms of my preparation? And again, it's that balance of looking for the best in yourself and being realistic and being both your best friend on the one hand and your harshest critic on the other hand, the easy thing to do after a victory is to sort of sit back and be a little bit complacent. Okay, now I got it all figured out. Okay, I encourage people after a victory to actually be a little tougher on oneself than they are after a loss, simply to counteract that simple human tendency to sit back and take it easy when you have experienced some success. I'm not saying ignore the success, absolutely. Enjoy it, learn from it, but then be very careful. Now what does this tell me? 
Now what have I learned from it? Now what do I have to do to ensure the next one? You put it in your question, perhaps inadvertently, Doug, how did I get here? I need to continue doing what I did, have been doing that got me to this victory in the first place. You know, I was talking to one young cadet last week who was going to face a very tough competition in the near future, you know, and what we concluded was his best chance of success in a very challenging situation against some very quality competition was to keep doing all the things that had gotten him success so far in this particular campaign. And we detailed those out, five, six key behaviors. Those are your best chance. Stay with that. That got you this far. Keep dancing with that person that you came to the dance with. It's so important to just stick to the fundamentals and the basics like throughout life and just kind of just remember like what continues to work when you achieve things and just stay the course. And I think it's healthy, like you said, to celebrate when something goes well in your life. But also it's even more important to take some time after you celebrate to go back and say, okay, like why did this work? And let's continue to do the things that help this work. As we kind of bring the, our conversation on confidence to a close, I, I want to talk about some of the misconceptions with confidence, because I think confidence gets misconceived with and sometimes mixed up with being arrogant or just having an inflated ego. And we all know that's not really what the case is. So talk about some of the common myths when it comes to confidence and like what confidence actually is. Well, you hit on one of the most common misconceptions is that confidence equals outspoken arrogance. And that's really not the case. Confidence is what you feel on the inside of yourself. Arrogance and bravado is what comes out of your mouth. And for every loud, outspoken, extroverted person that especially the sports media loves to focus on, you know, the Conor McGregor's of the world, for every person like that who is an naturally outspoken, extroverted individual, there are 10 times as many quiet, introverted people who aren't inclined to talk about themselves, but they feel just as powerful on the inside as Conor McGregor does, Serena Williams, the Manning brothers, the list goes on and on and on. So any of your listeners who see themselves as a sort of quiet, polite, modest, respectful person. Don't feel that you're going to compromise any of that by doing the kind of internal work that will raise your internal opinion of yourself and raise your belief in yourself. Another common misconception is that confidence is this all-encompassing quality. And once you have it, you'll have it everywhere. No, 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 no. Confidence is very situation-specific, you know? Even in the gym, my sense of certainty about the deadlift is different than my sense of certainty about pull-ups, okay? I got to work on that. You know, even, you know, your skill set as a basketball player, oh man, I know I dribble well, but boy, I'm not much of a defensive player. Well, you got to work on your confidence as a defensive player. So that idea that confidence is this all-encompassing thing is, 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 is just a misconception that we have to throw away. And thirdly, another huge misconception is that confidence is some sort of constant in your life. You're, you're born with a certain amount and it remains forever. No, no, no. Confidence is learned. Confidence is 
very situation-specific, and confidence gets eroded by the imperfect and difficult world that we're all inhabiting. So it's not like you're going to achieve it and keep it forever. No, you're going to achieve some of it, and then you're going to have to protect it, and it's going to take a knock here and there, and you have to build it back up, and it's a constant as one cadet put it, it's a constant war of attrition. There's no single decisive victory in terms of confidence and mental toughness. It's a long-term, pretty constant war of attrition where you are constantly addressing and protecting yourselves against the things that can drag it down. You said that so, so elegantly, and I'm so glad that like we, we talked about these misconceptions because they're all true, and I think at the end of the day, like confidence is a constant game of of building it and working on it on a everyday basis and focusing on how far you've come and addressing what you need to work on and being mindful of when you have achieved something well and what work to go into that. So I guess my very last question is like if you had to give if somebody had like 30 seconds with you and they they were walking into they met you at a Starbucks, they ran into you at West Point and they were like Doc Z I'm just struggling to build confidence right now. I feel unconfident in my life. I feel unconfident with my job. Like what are like two or three quick tips you would give them? Tip number one, monitor the things that you say about yourself, okay? And make a decision. Do I feel more energetic and more optimistic when I say those things to myself? Uh, second thing I'd say, okay, well, you're a human being on this planet and you've lived a certain number of years and you would not have done so had you not experienced some kind of success, some kind of progress over the course of your life, take a look at your life. You, you did some things. Take a close look at your life. Be willing to look for the moments of success and satisfaction. That's, your, that's the opening of your mental bank account. Right there. Be willing to look for the best in yourself starting right now. Look back to your past and then from this moment forward, just try to make a little notation day by day of something that you got right. Something that you got right. And be willing to remind yourself of that day in and day out. I hope I have more than 30 seconds to work with somebody. No, I know. Well, I feel more confident already just listening to those few tips. And I'm all, all, I was like kind of thinking like how I can implement them even like now, because we all struggle with our confidence on a daily basis from time to time. But I think the big thing is being self-aware and just sticking to the fundamentals like we've talked about and knowing what works to rebuild that up. So Dr. Zinzer, this has been awesome. I think a lot of people are going to get so much out of this. And I encourage people to check out your book, a confident mind. So if people want to connect with you, they want to learn more about your work, they even want to pick up the book, like where's the best place for them to do that? NateZinser.com is my uh, personal website. Folks can contact me uh, through that. I would like to say what a joy it's been to spend this time with you, Doug. And I got to say the title of this podcast, Adversity Advantage, is wonderful. People tend not to think of adversity as an advantage, but in fact, that's where the gold is, okay? 
It's when you put yourself in a somewhat challenging situation that you have the greatest opportunity for growth. So I hope all of us can look at the various adversities that we face day in and day out and say, okay, here's an opportunity for me to grow. If I didn't have any adversity, I'd just be sitting back and be a vegetable. Who needs that? Let's embrace those adversities. Let's take them as an advantage and let's go see what we can do. Amen to that. And thank you so much for the kind words. It means a lot. And yeah, that there is a lot of gold and adversity and adversity is what makes us, right? We have to go through hard times in order to grow as humans. So Dr. Zinzer, I wanted to thank you once again. And for those listening, what I often encourage you to do is to share a takeaway, whether it was something that he said about what he's doing to build his own confidence, what he tells some of the people he works with when they're facing a hard situation. Maybe it was something he just said about some of the misconceptions about confidence. Whatever it was, make sure to, to tag Dr. Z, tag myself, and because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.